This episode is brought to you by the Project Manga Patreon, the best way for viewers to support the project and allow us a means to keep providing new and quality content to our subscribers. Go to patreon.com slash projectmanga and find out more about the perks we have available to patrons, including early access to all of our content and exclusive videos like behind-the-scenes footage and additional manga reviews. That's patreon.com slash projectmanga. All right, let's get into the episode. going on everybody welcome back to the project manga podcast where we cover ayashimon sakamoto days mission yozakura family jujutsu kaisen my hero academia and one piece week to week back this week covering weekly shonen jump issue number 18 i am your host eagle and i'm mellow yenis and uh, as you can see, Knox not here with us this week. Uh, he actually, you know, ran into some unexpected obligations that he had forgotten about. So he's doing. What we he had to kind of, we had to, we had to do it without him. So that being said, um, as always, before we get started, go ahead and take a look in that description box down below, where you can find links to any and all of our individual social media accounts, such as Twitter, online communities like Discord audio listening platforms to consume the podcast on as well as ways to support the show like our online store or our patreon also while you're down there you can find links um not links but timestamps rather to conveniently navigate yourself through the video and avoid spoilers for series that you are not current in and while you're down there you might as well slap a like on the video helps us climb the algorithms so yeah with all that being said what a fantastic weekend jump <laughs> Man, I'm really enjoying this one. Pity about My Hero Academia, but like they're in climax territory, so I'm okay with them taking time to like really make it work. Yeah, and I mean with the Dobby stuff that is going down right now, that ooh, yeah, Hori Koshi's deep in the Duffy over. right now. He's pulling everything out. Um, I yeah. really like this episode for Yashiman. Yeah, this 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 chapter of Ayashimon was fire, and with that being said, I suppose we can probably just jump right into it. Chapter 18 of Ayashimon, who are you? I'm really glad they finally got into, like, Kyo, Kyo stuff, yes. Because, like, they've been teasing it since, like, chapter 2. Yeah. Like, maybe chapter 1, but definitely chapter 2 onwards, and I'm just like... Come on, especially since it's like Kotan's an old boy and like used to run with the old pit crew. Yeah, and uh, we start right off with like Kotan going into the flashback, basically our Urara asking, um, you know, saying I never bothered to actually learn about my a father. I just drowned myself in that in that desire for revenge and hatred and kind of went all in tunnel vision. So can you tell me like who is he? Um, and we go right into it, man. Like first panel we see of Keo is him like literally uh, 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 beating Kotone's ass. Like yeah, this ain't a one on one. I just wanted to see what you were about. You know what I'm saying? Join mm -hmm. up. Um, but Keo, man, looking like I like that that we've only seen him looking like a regular person up until this point, and then the first time we actually see him. He's just uh, so horrified. What is the 
difference between Ayashimon and Oni? Um, I think Oni is literally just a type of yokai. Um, Onis are basically like giant devils basically because keel implied that like he you know needs more gold to sustain himself than than other ayashimon and shit like that right like later in the chapter yeah, was, that was kind of implied they're basically a type of ogre they're known for just being very powerful and so i just think that they're like because like they're they're famous right like Onis are like powerful devils, ogre devils that exist within the Japanese folklore. And they're just like, I think that like the cost of him existing is because he's like a powerful, like potent supernatural entity, which just consumes more power, right? Like he's too yeah. powerful for his own good. Um, whereas like Kotan's a bolt of cloth, Ten is able to subsist off pocket change because yeah. he's just this low-ranking yokai. Like they they paid him in chicken feed and bruises and like coupons. Like yeah. he was not doing good. <laughs> like, Keo needs like actual ducats to like survive. Like, yeah, he needs real money and like Oni. So yeah, I mean, there's probably like Ayashimon yokai Oni. Is maybe the power structure? Yeah, there. they're all they're all types, but I just feel like they're they're extremely powerful and old school. Because you get like old old stories, like you know, Red Oni, Blue Oni, uh, two giant people that like wanted one one wanted to be friends, and so they have that story. Or like the idea, like Momotaro goes off into Avenge the Peach Boy and like befriends three animals to like defeat the oni that is like the cause of badness within land like it's the original demon lord effectively yeah um so yeah i understand why like an entity of his like like that tier of entity that just like you're just burning through the money that you actually need and i i really like the framing of it where he's like because like you see the you know the old leader struck down by illness on his deathbed you see that in like delinquent mobster stories so often but yeah. i was like that's a cool twist on it and the fact that like you you're running out of money you're literally um doing the opposite of like what magic johnson did you know where he's like ah, i got sick and i threw money at the problem and now i'm fine and it's like god Keo didn't do that yeah um no it's almost like a reverse pyramid like he's dispersing all the money to all the people below him and taking the smallest cut himself so yeah he's like can't subsist it's um not the typical dynamic you'd see in like an underworld mob boss but yeah especially since their like existence is tied to it it makes that kind of sacrifice like much more noble yeah. which is surprising from like what like a wasn't really expecting that like level of nobility from a yokai you know what i mean because they're just like yokai are about their base 
issues, right? Like when like Ten's boss got smoked by Maruo, and they're just like, ah, oh, okay, whatever. And and he's like, why aren't you guys mad? And he's like, oh, we're yokai, you know, we just don't give a fuck about each other. So like, it's what made Kyo stand so far apart from like what's there. And I'm like, wow, he really was like a driving force for good. Yeah. Led by example and like paid the cost of his like equity. Yeah. It's tragic in that way. So yeah, we just get a bunch of like really feel good scenes here with Keo and um we get kind of the origin of Dopo. We see that he's like their cup bitch. Like he's filling their cup. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah, like he's the junior. Yeah. He's the he's the junior in all the meetings, you know. We see the we see Keo with all the, the head executives and the uh Dopo like pouring their, their sake cups and shit. And uh everybody's kinda clowning him like, get rid of that dopey ass mop head, bro, and You can't fight. <laughs> you can't fight, bro. You you ain't shit. But get rid um, of that yee yee ass haircut. Get rid of that yee ass haircut. And then it moves us into like, you know, the scene we were just kind of touching on with Keo and Kotone where Keo is on his deathbed or on his, you know, kind of bedridden his sickness. Talking about how he's been dispersing most of the funds to the rest of the organization and taking the smallest cut himself and uh, thus has not been able to survive. And I just like, I want to know what fucking i want to know how the scheme unfolded uh which one dopos dopos yeah oh like how he got this like different will or like if they're like yeah we obviously know it's a, it's like an alternate will or alter dif- different you know yeah he managed to like oh you know so they introduce a concept and later in the chapter where the people that lose a ritual duel are forced to obey the people that beat them as part of the terms of the winner and loser. Really? So what if he ritual dueled the lawyer and then forced him to rewrite a new will and accept it and act as if that was the original will? Hmm. Because I think that'd be a really interesting take Um, because it's like less about taking out like forcing Keo to dictate something as opposed to forcing someone that would have the ability to do that and then probably using his trusted junior position get um Keo to like sign it and then uh do a little old good old-fashioned five finger discount embezzling and just steal what's left of Keo's money to forcefully end his life mm-hmm so I feel like that's kind of what they did. Yeah, that would be an easy, you know, definitely as as opposed to like poisoning him. I think uh, just slinking somebody in there till they just take the rest of his money stash and now he mm-hmm. just withers away and dies. That's Yoink definitely the play. Bank. Yoink his piggy bank. But yeah, Dopo definitely oh, comes God. in with the lawyer. Like now all of a sudden he's got this 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 mink coat that he wears. He's got the roses. Um I think it's interesting that, like, he literally got rid of that E.E.S. haircut, and the fact that he, like, 
was like constantly like pushing his hair out of his eyes caused like the evolution like this is the transition point from him to like now where his yeah. like, hair is like super long on one side and he, he's kind of doing that um i don't remember what that means body language wise but i feel like it's um like a reassuring gesture like he's trying to reassure himself that he's correct yeah. so probably some underhanded dealings I think yeah. I think you might be right on with that um, about the the body language as far as the hand gesture goes. That does seem like kind of a reassuring, self assurance gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so, that's yeah. why he's so eager to like enforce that he's in charge. Yep, and so um, you know we got we got. Mauro saying like, well, why don't we just go right to Dopo and ask him? I'll punch him right in his face. And uh, they're kind of explaining like, yeah, Kabuki Cho is not the same place anymore. You can't really just walk in there unarmed, gung-ho, expect to come back out the other end alive. Like, it's hard out here in these streets at this point. And so they're saying, we're going to want to rally some allies, you know, get some people here on our side. And they're... He's going through old old organization members that he thinks might help or may not. Um, Tamagawa of Corey Hotels, he says, absolutely not, just because he can't stand them. Everything's a transaction to that guy. He's a businessman through and through. Um, I think Shira will probably end up helping based on the events of the chapter. Oh, yeah, the guy who's the loner? Mm-hmm. I think so too. Um, because the other guy, uh, Rukorogi, like he gets, he gets killed up. at the end of the chapter, right? Oh yeah, no, he definitely bursts into coins. Yeah, like this new girl, like the head of Club Undine, is like a kappa, and she steals his um, Shirakodama, which is called the the anus jewel. It's it's literally an anus jewel. Uh, so Kappas are like water, aquatic boogeymen. They basically look like a cross between like Golduck and a turtle. Where? How do we know she's a Kappa? She has this little plate on her head and the fact that she reached into the guy's anus and stole his soul. Okay. So, yeah, so the scales on her chest and like the aquatic theme of her fish... Um, it ties into the Undine and also ties into the Kappa. If you look at like the Alice band that's like on her fo- on her forehead, it's a little dish. And Kappas are basically like these duck. They got a little bowl in their hybrids. head. To sp- yeah, store they got the, the water, bowls right? in their head that yeah. stores the water, and they can be tricked into like bowing. And if you get them to bow low enough, they'll pour the water out of their head, and then they'll like be weaker. They're basically like red caps. They're kind of murderous, will eat you, but they need to like (laughs) meet a certain condition to like maintain their like strength. So they need to like stay in water and stuff. Like they um, gotta trick you and then they beat the shit out of you and eat you. Yeah, like kappas were known for like eating like people's livers. And so um they believed that the human body had the Shirakodama 
and it was basically like a crystal ball or something inside you that like was just inside the anus and represented your soul and so if you had your shirakodama removed <coughs> your uh, soul of the whole removed from your body you would die and they would take it out of you to like get to their way to the liver inside the human body and uh they believe that because um drowned bodies have a puckered asshole like they the, the like inverted asshole as if something had been pulled out it's because like gases build up in the human body and then as you're dead you rot you poop or fart a lot and that's why it's distended like that but like back then they had no idea and they're just like what was taken from this body Maybe it's maybe it's your soul. Maybe your soul is inside your body. What was taken from this body? Oh my that's, that's god! That's literally what they were thinking, and that's that's why people believed in the Shirakadama, and they believe that the Kappa was the one that took it. Like yo, they they're pulling us under. They rip our fucking soul out of our ass, and it's over. Eat, eat our organs. It's bad. It's a bad way to go. That's wild. But yeah, that's the new girl, and uh, it's the cutest Kappa ever. It's hilarious. I'm um, wondering about this guy in the back, too, or this girl in the back. Dude, she looks cold-blooded. Um, I really want to see what she's all about. I don't really quite know, but there's definitely plenty of, like, yokai and supernatural creatures that are known for, like, being... Uh, God, I'm just thinking of Monty Pythons, like watery tarts that throw out on swords. But, like, um, you know, there's lots of water women in myth and story, like the Little Mermaid or the Lady in the Lake, um, all kinds of stuff like that. Ursula. <clears throat> yeah, I was thinking that, too, with, like, the long hair and stuff. She's got the, like, the ink spot on her eye, maybe. Ooh, that'd be cool. I wonder. That'd, that'd be really interesting. I mean, I'm sure there's like a, like an octopus oni or an octopus yokai Ayashimon, right? Yeah, I know He's there's um, I know there's like a giant um, squid sea priest. It's called the sea priest. It's like umeboshi. It's referenced in Ranger Reject, but it's like this giant black silhouette that like stands in the harbors and stuff at people. It's basically just a spooky sailor story. Yeah. Um, so that might be an option. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that like the Kappa girl steals the the soul ball, the Shirakodama, and Undines are basically like Greek river or lake spirits, and they are thought to have be like they're shaped like women. They're made out of the elements, and they don't have souls. But they could marry a human person, and then they would get, and it, it would shorten their lifespan in half. But they would gain a human soul, and then their children would be humans with human souls, but with like a, like an aquatic feature. Hmm. So I think it's interesting that like this girl is in a for a part of Club Undine, which is like soulless. Water woman, and her whole thing is she reached into a butthole and stole a guy's soul and snatched it out of him. And I'm like, that's kind of funny. Like, when you think about it, I'm just like, 
She said, This is a weird thing. Fisted his shit like nobody's business. <laughs> she really fisted Mr. <coughs> That's wild. So, yeah. Um, basically, she snuffs out their only hope at an alliance as far as Cotone is concerned. Um, so, we definitely, things are up in the air as far as, like, what they can do going forward, who they'll have to ally themselves with. I think, like we were talking about earlier, the Shira dude will probably come into play and end up helping, uh, being that uh, Rukurogi just got killed, and uh, Tamagawa of the Cory Hotels, you know, Koton kind of doesn't like too much. Yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of a stickler. Yeah, I feel like Tamagawa probably tried to like maintain independence, but like, yeah, we'll serve you. You don't need to ritual duel us. We'll just work for you and make money as long as business keeps on going. Like, we understand that if to like resist is just gonna be a whole lot of trouble, and we don't want that. Right. Um, that's kind of what I pick up from that. Like, they might even end up working with him later, but like, they're just like, well, shit. The part that I'm interested in is if you beat someone in a ritual duel and you impose uh, like actions on them, can another person beat that same person in a ritual duel and impose contradicting information, like like impose an like a contradicting rule? Or say, like, hey, fight for us and our allies. And then someone says, fight for us and our allies. So would that be negated? And so it's like, well, you're both my allies, and you want me to fight you, the other side. I literally choose to do nothing because I can't. Does not compute. Does like, not compute. It's like, I'm not allowed to. I can't fight for both of you, so I, I will not do anything. Which yeah. I think would be a kind of interesting way to, like, reduce the number of, like, foot soldiers on the field, you know? So, like, if they do that, it, like, you get the people on the ground and you can do tiers of, like, bad guys. And as you, like, try to reach towards, like, the head, Dopo, and have that, like, proper one-on-one. -on -one. But, like, it's enforced because you've already forced this, like, neutrality on them. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot to, like, look forward to. Yeah, I agree. I can't, uh, I cannot wait for the upcoming chapters of Ayashimo. But I think, uh, I think that about does it for tonight's chapter. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get right into chapter 65 of Sakamoto Days. Mutual fans. Man. <clears throat> this, I... Solid chapter. I'm really excited about Akira. Like, she seems like, like her aunt's super cool. Rion's like dope as hell. Like to be like considered on the same level as like Nugumo or Sakamoto. Sakamoto. So like, I have high expectations, and I'm not entirely sure who the young person is that Azuki was like, yeah, we've got a person in the plant. And, the, like, we've got a person on the inside for this, like, recruitment situation. And I still think that, like, I'm kind of in between. Because I, I, I wonder if it's, like, Kaji, 
mm-hmm. who has like said nothing. He's one of the new special recommendations. He hasn't said anything, but he's helpful to Shin and like Mufuyu, and he's helping them out for like no real reason. Um, but like that might be able to explain either way. It might be Toromaru because like Azuki preferred Sakamoto to his old self. So, like, having a girl that's, like, an extreme fangirl of, like, the cool, collected, you know, dedicated killer version of Sakamoto kind of, like, makes their kind of, like, personalities a little more in line. Or it could be Akira. And I, like, just because... So, Uzuki would know, like, if he studied up on Sakamoto and Nagumo, he would definitely study up on Rion. And so he might know that, like, Akira exists. And he reached out to her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be nuts. Fuck. I just, like, you're throwing all these names out, bro. I read Sakamoto Days so fast, and, like, I just need to... No worries. Oh, so, um... Mafuyu is the guy with the face mask. He's the face like, mask guy, yeah, yeah. And Kaji he's just calm, collected. Is the dude with the hat. Yeah, and then Shin is the dude, the blonde dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. our little telepath. And then Toromaru is is the, the the crazy chick we talked about that kind of pre. Yeah, she's kind of crazy, like like hardcore, and like Toromaru seems like such a masculine name, so I think it's interesting. But like at the same time, like it fits pretty well, like. When her eyes hardens, like, I have the tiger, it's the thrill of a fight, you know, right. kind of shit. She goes into, like, full, like, uh, like Toga, you know? She goes, like, Kimiko Toga, where she goes into the, like, murder mode. Yeah, she definitely does go into murder mode on uh, page 16. <sighs> She's so scared. Her faces, though, is, like, she has so, like, a wide variety of expressions that I'm just, like... This worked out really well. I like her character. Yeah. And I think... I don't know, the art in this panel... It almost reminds me of, like, a Promise Neverland panel. Like, the panel of Elizabeth when she is in Emma's face. When she finds out that she knows. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Do you remember the panel that I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Unfortunately, I do not. Basically, uh, did you read Promise Neverland? I read some of it, and then I, like, I think I coasted through most of it. I just don't remember too much, to be honest. It was a while ago. I think it was in the first, you know, three chapters for sure. First, you know, one or two, I think, um, where, you know, the first kid gets sent off. Emma is, like, staring at the empty spot on the wall where her picture was or whatever. Not her picture, but a picture that the kid had drawn. And um, Elizabeth... The mother, like, oh yeah, whereas she has like you're suddenly like suspecting <sighs> right in know. her face, yeah. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah I remember that now. Thank it you. It just reminds me of that panel, yeah. Dude, I just think uh, the the Buddha Sakamoto is the funniest thing. Just like yes, Buddha, that one guy. I imagine with enlightenment, just a halo of. The Bodhisattva with the with the guns, the bo- the pistols in each hand. Yeah, no, that was really funny. Um, it reminds me of. It made me think of that. Um, 
there's a cult in Korea, I think, called uh, Order of the Iron Rod. Oh, Brotherhood really? of the Iron Rod. And it is about, like, these guys who, like, collect guns and are, like, pro-gun rights, but they are, like, a little weird with it. Like, they bless their guns and have, like, a church of guns. Weird. It's, it's, it's very, um... Uh, pre-collapse Mad Maxi, you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's just like, what are you doing? What You're preparing for the end times, but your whole, like, strategy and religion is good, so good luck. Good luck. Yeah, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, like you were talking about, the the part of the chapter where she kind of loses her shit was kind of my favorite part of the chapter because we do get this resolve from Shin, right? Where mm -hmm. um, she's like, oh shit, you know Sakamoto too, basically. And, um... oh yeah, he does the back crack. Yeah, he's he's about to fight her and he does like the back crack, you know, the Sakamoto yeah. back crack. <laughs> and she's like, oh, chotomate. And basically starts going off like the only reason you do that is if you were uh, is if you were a true Sakamoto fan. And so she starts getting on his heels. Um, and what is what does she say exactly that kind of spurs on his dialogue? So what do you love most about Sakamoto? Da da da. How he shows no emotion. It's as if he's a living killing machine. And um, yeah, he basically says, "I used to feel that way too." But the thing about Mr. Sakamoto is. He's kinder than anybody, you know, pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. Sanji type B, no matter how bad the store is doing, he'd never lay us off. He's always there for us. He's really caring. Um, and so he's like, I want to be able to stand by his side as a true partner, which is obviously what sets her off. And she's like, yeah. a partner? Uh-uh. I ain't sharing my boy. I like how her headcanon is that Sakamoto doesn't need anything or anyone, and she's like, no, 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 you're a fan, but you're doing it wrong. Like, her reaction just made me think of, like, sometimes, like, interactions on anime Twitter. They're like, you like this thing? You like the same thing I do? You like it differently. I hate you. Like, right. the dumbest. Yeah. It was like, just appreciate it for what it is. Like, you're both getting something different out of it. You're both witnessing these things at a different angle. You know, you just, you simply have a different relationship with that kind of thing. Yeah, so But I, I like, I like the contrast. I like the contrast. Um, I think it's, I think it's important for Shin. Because, like, I know in the previous chapters he was talking, it's like, hey man, like, you know, don't go easy on me. We're enemies now. I I I want to meet you at your level, right? And I'm like, that's that's ballsy, kid. Like, it's ballsy. Like, good for you. Like, admire the chutzpah, but like, it's ballsy to think you can the handle hurdle. the guy. Yeah, oh. yeah, she's the first hurdle for sure. She's different. She's, I mean, she's special recommendation. She was hyped up. Um, we haven't even, like, gotten to this Shania kid uh, that was introduced, like, a couple chapters ago. Um, man, I really like the kind of dynamic, like, choreography. Like, 
bouncing around, her like shooting through trees, uh, like terrain falling apart, them going over the cliffs on page six and seven. Yeah. Like, her swinging around, trying to like reach them, fighting on the log. Like, it's so like, it's like everything I love out of like action movies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. really cheesy action movies, like Jason Statham, Crank level of cheesy action films. And I'm here for it the entire time. Yeah, definitely. And so we get a little bit of backstory for her too, where uh, it looks like she was saved in some way, shape, or form by Sakamoto. Maybe from, um, maybe from like a child trafficking ring or something that he kind of busted apart once mm-hmm. and you know her her garb i should say kind of looks that way um so you know who knows mm-hmm. looks like he saved her from a shitty situation and that's kind of why she began to idolize him oh yeah so yeah I'm, I, I just i see I, like nagumo in the background too so like it's interesting to see that Oh yeah, Nagumo was there too with him the the night, the faithful night. I wonder why yeah, it was so Sakamoto that got her adoration and not Nagumo. Yeah. Um Must have just been Sakamoto did some more some more cool shit in front of her. They were closer. <laughs> they were closer. Just happened. Sheer proximity and Nagumo just being like, surprise, stealth attack. And Sakamoto just walks in. All right, cool. John Wick multi man takedown. Yeah. John Wick multi man takedown with a I pencil. I mean, that, he's done it before. He's straight up done it with like a fucking pencil. <sighs> He's brutal. Like, he can take them all out. I love her weapon, though. Like, it's this weird, like, shotgun, but with, like, like, like a shotgun halberd. It reminds me of Kikaru. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pigtails plus the weapon definitely kind of, like, give that vibe. Especially um, top panel of page 11. Big Kikaru vibes. Like, when she's yeah. landing on the... You see the I pigtails love... is flowing, and she's just like... <sighs> Honestly, the image that I got, um, it reminded me of Vagabond. Mm. The guy who did, like, the story about, like, Masashi Miyamoto, and they're having, like, the samurais, and they, like, look down at each other, that Kubrick stare, and they're like, I'm a warrior, master of the blade, today's the day you die, kind of thing, you know, like, staring down your opponent, like, very, um, spaghetti western. Yeah. Kind of vibes. I'm just like, yes, showdown, showdown. Your opponent. Uh, very silly, but good action in this series, and like, makes me think. I'm just like, what's going on? Yeah, there's definitely some great choreography throughout the chapter, especially now that I'm thumbing back through it. Like, uh, and yeah, that the the page of them falling off the cliff. Just that dynamic kind of bird's eye view all of a sudden, and uh, mm-hmm. the comedy in that um, Kaji was trying to warn him the whole time, like, "Oi, oi, y'all are running towards the cliff, bro. Hey, look, ah, where are you driving, guy? Where are you? Where are you going? Hey, they fell off. They're dumb as fuck, dude. They're goofy. Like, 
I get why Kaji and Tor- Toromaru are just like, yeah, we're the special grades, effectively, of this thing. We're the special recommendations. We're the buy entries for this, like, bracket tournament. Well... The part that it, I'm interested in... Sorry. It almost looks like she's not even targeting him. Like, if you look in the page uh, four panel on top of her shooting through the trees, like, he's off to the other... Like, she's paying him literally no mind. On what page? Page four, top panel. I think... Because, like, they have similar color bands. She's really just going for the bands at first. Until Shin gets her attention doing the idiosyncratic habit of, like, Sakamoto. And then finding out he's a fan in a different way, like, sets her off to, like, murder. Murder. She's not focused on him. Initially. Murder. No, she started going to Murder Town. Um, I mean, I think Shin's gonna do pretty well, because uh, like he's my boy. He's he's got to progress. This is his. This is a level up opponent. Yes. Um, but the part that I'm wondering about is he tries to read her mind, and what if it's just like so much like obsessive thinking about Sakamoto that he's like, ah, this is not useful. This is not useful. Is it a left hook? Sakamoto, 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 Sakamoto. Sakamoto, yeah. It's like the Shining where it's just mindless obsession. Yeah. All you get when you try and look into her shit is just a big Sakamoto. (laughs) Just a a Sakamoto body pillow. Just a voice screaming, get out! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm excited. This is a good setup shot, setup thing. Kind of establishes stakes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I can't wait to see how things play out between Toromaru and Shin for sure. Like, yeah, I wonder I if the other like special recommendation guy is gonna like jump in and be like special like, recommendation that party. Be, that might actually be like the turning factor because like. If he can't, if Shin can't read Toromaru's mind, he might overhear Kaji's thought process. Like, oh, I'm going to wait until she lowers her guard or the moment of her attack, I'll go in. That kind of thing. And so Shin can, like, prep off that. So, like, and, like, be stronger as a collaborative person like because he's trying to be like a partner to sakamoto right so like Mm -hmm. this is perfect training to like work with others take other people's plans into account as opposed to using his uh telepathy as a weapon for like one-on-one duels yeah i feel like that's the next way but other than that i don't think i have too much to say about this chapter yeah i think that uh that about does it for sakamoto this week all right, well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get right into chapter 124 of Mission Yozakura Family. Kyoichiro versus the Yozakura siblings. And um, not a whole lot to this chapter plot-wise, I guess. Um, there's a lot of character interactions, some good choreography, some awesome like art. But um, you know, plot-wise, a couple things to touch on. That's really it. 
Um, but I love how we start off the chapter just with this cover style paneling of, you know, we get the cover style paneling a lot in Yozakura, but uh, basically uh, Shion. That is Shion, right? Yeah, that's Shion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just mix up the... I always There's get so Shion confused with um, Shinzo. That's fair. But um, they have very similar names. she's basically like, yep, we got Futaba's on-site data, Kengo's profiling, Manau samples, we got your bitch ass cornered. You know what I'm saying? Dead to rights. Dead to rights. And then Nanao, or not Nanao, but Futaba comes in with the, um, with the bratata, hits him with the mean two-piece. They clash with the spider net. That panel mm -hmm. is drastic on page four of the uh, the Futaba strike against the spider net defense. I love the, like, I actually really like, like, the faint white, like, wisps of wire, like, breaking the silhouette of Kuechiro, and, like, also, like, dangling over, like, the entire scene of that of panel at the top of four. Yeah. I, I really like that. Like, that's a great touch, adds a lot of depth, but, like, plays with, like, light and doesn't, like, because, like, wires is such a hard, like, medium to not make look messy, but, like, taking that, like, I think it's an elegant touch, you know what I mean? Because, like, the risk of having a bunch of black wires is that you create a bunch of scribbles. Yeah. Because, like, it works in small doses. The scribble thing, like, at the top of, like, seven, when he's inside the prison, and his arms literally turn to scribbles, but then, like, I love the motion that, like, is created in that panel as he, like, starts spinning and creating, like, centrifugal force, and, like, all the threads splaying out. Yeah. So he turns his arms into... I was wondering about that. So like he I don't actually... think he does. It's just uh, you know, for visual effect, he's you know he's kind of like whipping his like wires into like like I imagined almost like a cotton candy machine. Like he's turning his arms like a cotton candy machine, he's like oh, yeah. causing all his wires to like flare up and then bundle and then he's got a good grip on them to like create like torque. Hmm. That's the way I viewed it, um, because like if it was something that came from his physical body, then it, he wouldn't need Shinzo to prepare his wires or weapons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not like a it's not like a dofi situation. Yeah, he's he can't turn himself into the, into the wires. Not yet. He hasn't been completely consumed by the 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 black sakuras. Mm. I mean, so yeah, speaking of that, I guess um, we learned that he has been inflicted with a poison that is uh, currently like destroying all of his own cells and it will also spread to anybody that comes within a certain proximity to him. Manal learns this when he gets him with the injection, his arm turns all fucked up and he's got to cut it off. I love that moment. Nanao just immediately lopping it off, stabbing himself with a syringe to immediately regrow the arm. And he's like, that decayed really quickly yeah. for, like, a biological powerhouse as myself. 
Yeah, he was like, even if my body can't even handle it, bruh, then none of y'all are going to be able to stand up to it at all. <laughs> it's going to instantly melt you. This is really cool. Um, like, I really liked the poison stuff, because I know we talked about um, how fighting him in an enclosed space and blowing up all the ancestors still, like, caused, like, pollen or blood, or in this case, the old blood, to, like, spread and infect him, which I appreciate. The fact that he's being told this, I feel like they want a certain reaction out of him, and I feel like he's doing what they want him to do, which is go off into hiding, cause a panic amongst the family, and literally draw them away. Like, I feel like that's part of the plan. Yeah. If they if we get smoked, Momo is still out there. He's familiar with the house. He can go take care of the house in Mitsumi while the family hunts down Kuichiro, who we've baited into running away and going AWOL by revealing to him our, you know, parting gift. Yeah. Mm. It's, a little, it's a little Kansas City shuffle, you know? It's just, uh, we want you to look here, but we really want to go here. Yeah. And I don't know how they're going to, like, suppress its effects. Yeah, that's the question. If they gotta, like, stick him in, like, an incubator tube until they can figure out a cure, or, like, what the fuck is gonna happen? Yeah, I don't know, because, like, I feel like maybe, I feel like the bloom is going to be the key, and they always talk about, like, in the series, they have ongoing themes of this idea of, like, bloodline and being compatible so I'm wondering if they'll ever do something like a hybridization or graft of the bloom to like help stabilize or balance it out because like the bloom is based off the sonamine that like exists in their bodies and enhances them and all that stuff. Yep. So it's grow the plants are literally growing from their body. Um you can take a branch, chop it off a tree and like cut another tree and like tape it or like bind it there using like string or rubber bands or whatever. And you can graft a tree branch and have multiple trees like bear this different multiple kinds of fruits. Like that is a thing that can happen in botany. Weird. So they were talking about the old blood is fighting the new blood and like one is going to like cancerize the others the parts of his body to propagate and create more of the old blood and create the black bloom so if what if they defeat him and get him to hold still long enough to graft on parts of Tayo's healthy bloom to like Ooh. balance out the old and the new blood, keep him alive, he's gonna be drastically weakened and like story wise could easily be written out 
temporarily as he's like learning to stabilize and like rejuvenate because he's at the brink of death anyway because of he's be- how he's being poisoned by the old blood. Yep. But yeah, that could be that's kind of that's kind of the take I'm going for. Otherwise, I don't know how this fight's gonna go. Like, like, what's the win condition for Tayo and the other siblings? You know, is it to stop Koichiro, get him to like accept help, stop is him, it... stick him in an incubator tube, bring him back to the crib? Yeah. And then by the time they bring him back there, they'll find, like, where's Mitsumi? You know, I, I feel like that might be what's happening. Yeah. That I would be crazy. Draw all the family away so they can go get her. That's where Momo's at right now. Calling it now. Calling it now. You know, I, I don't feel good about it, about that prediction. I don't. I don't like that idea. It's like, ah, uh, you know, it'd be just awful that. And I, I don't know. I feel like it, I, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. And it would fit into kind of like what's happened in the series before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit, I mean... Other than that, I guess my... Uh, my favorite thing was how we, we, we kind of did get the, the background, I guess, obviously, to Koichiro's decision, which is kind of what I had been waiting on. Um... Oh yeah, 12, and the explanation 15. on this on this poison from the old blood, you know, the Subomi mm-hmm. uh, minion. When our bodies were destroyed, Subomi's blood diffused into the air and embedded the roots into your body. Um, like you said, the blood, the new blood and the old blood will vie against each other, destroying it in the flesh as they circulate. Uh, what's more, that poison will continue to spread like flowering plants. Your siblings will succumb too. Like that's. For somebody like Kyoichiro, that really is like the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, man, he was going there to try and handle business, help out the fam. He's like, I'm just going to get it all done right now. And then they flip some fucked up shit like that on his head. Man. I mean, I think that like assassination is about targeted attacking of an opponent. And so like, it just makes sense that they're playing him a little bit. Yeah. Like, really focusing on his insecurities and, like, goals and priorities. Yeah. To get him to maneuver in a way that they want. Yeah. And, like, I wonder if those ancestors are gonna, like, come back regenerated with more plant-like features. You know? Because, like, Subomi's, like, the one that's, like, keeping these ancestors alive. And there's, like, multiple root spots, right? They're like, you can't kill a Subomi unless you get rid of all these root spots. And they have all these ancestors traveling through this network of trees throughout the country to, like, protect those spots, too. So, like, yeah, their body's destroyed, but, like, for how long, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like they could be resurrected or reanimated or something like that? Um, proper, like in like, full form, not just like flower kind of uh, ethereal ghost being. I feel like they'd have physical bodies, but it'd be mostly like dirt and trees comprising yeah. their body. 
like the the trees mimicking a blood circulatory system, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely possible. Yeah, it it reminds me of um. Oh, what have you? It's th- that old school Naruto ability. It was like Shiki Tensei or something like that, where it's like they they bring back the Hokage as zombies. Oh, you're talking about um, Edo Tensei, the resurrection. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, I know I'm butchering it. Reincarnation sure. Jutsu, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm imagining something like more along the lines of that. Yeah. Yeah, the Edo Tensei would be nutty. The full on. Like, bring him back proper. Mm. Yeah, other than that, I don't know. I don't think I really have too much. I just think like the art in this in this chapter really, really pops in multiple places. Like the panel, you know, of Futaba on page one, um, the action panel, page four, not page one, but page two, uh, Futaba. Page four, the clash panel between Futaba and Kyoichiro, like we pointed out earlier. The um the panel of Kyoichiro breaking out of the box. Dude, that was cool. I yeah. liked I liked how they used magnetism to trap him and then he immediately like cut his way through all that horacalcum type stuff. It's like damn. Yeah. He is and not then the um easy to go down. The double spreads obviously, the uh the page sixteen, seventeen double spread with the Kyoichiro's kind of AoE attack. And then the the double spread of Kyoichiro himself and Tayo on the last page. Like, both of those yeah. with that ethereal kind of spiritual-looking art, you know? Yeah, um, like the pressure. Yeah, yeah, and it just... It, dude, the art pops. It's really reminiscent of uh, Dragon Ball Z, you know? Where they're just, like, waves of pressure and power exuded like, yeah. outward. I was like, yes! Very classic shonen. So yeah, I'm definitely, uh, definitely excited to see how the uh, the white, you know, slash pink blossoms counteract the uh, the black blossoms of Kyoichiro. But uh, other than that, I guess I don't really have too much for this chapter. Um, the part that I liked was the mirroring of eight and nine with eighteen nineteen, right? So. If you the, the like, because like eight and nine, you have Kichiro in the foreground, and you have his siblings staring at him, and you can see that like he's the focus of what they're looking at. Yeah, and they're like, 18, what the fuck is these black moons? Yeah, and then eighteen nineteen, you get the parallel of Tayo, and Kyuichiro is on the left-hand panel observing Tayo, and he's the focus of where he's looking. Yeah. And I love that kind of, like, yin-yang kind of thing going for them. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good spot. Yeah, I just, I don't know, it's, like, small editing techniques that I'm just like, I'm about that. I like that a lot. Right. Um, I can see why you called Futaba Nanao early, because, like, her face is like just child the now's face. Yeah. And I'm just like, man. It's crazy because like Oldest is smallest. Youngest is the biggest. 
Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. Did you have anything else for this chapter? No. I am stoked to see next week, though. I um, definitely am. Tayo is going to put his effort into it. And I wonder if he's going to, like, invoke some of, like, the president's advice or something like that. Be like, Richard, snap out of it. Like, why do you think you're being positioned like this? And they all rush to the mansion or something like this. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it for Mission Yozakura family this week. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and jump right into chapter 180 of Jujutsu Kaisen Sendai Colony Part 7. And we get this cover with uh, Rika Orimoto holding Cursed Spirit Rika and Yuta. Yeah, in plushy form. Yeah. Um, so... I think it's interesting that, like, she doesn't drop a shadow, but, like, a spatter of blood. And then it's kind of sandwiched between, like, the halo of flowers that she has. Yeah. Which, um, like, I, I feel like the spatter of blood basically represents the idea that she died a horrible death. And then the halo of flowers, they are, I believe they're Halcyon Hostas which are uh halcyon is a type of is basically a greek word like greek rooted word it basically represents the idea of like an old idyllic past or like you know the good the good times yeah. effectively uh, a time in your past that you viewed as like golden or perfect and has such become much more romanticized than the current day that you experience or the future. Mm. So that's where Halcyon comes from. And so I like that Rika Oritomo is like torn between the I, the remembrance of tragedy and then like the Halcyon days of youth kind of thing. Um, yeah. Combined with like the toys of like the current Rika and the current Yuta of like just a formative childhood memory mm -hmm. and it's just like there's a lot to unpack in this one image and it's like it's very beautiful very charming and like like simple in a minimalistic way you know what yeah. I mean yeah so I really really enjoyed this cover I also did as well I didn't, um, I'm glad you kind of got in the Duffy like that because I, I didn't really look that deep into it, especially not, I, I don't know that I would have been able to identify the flowers like you did. So that was, that definitely was incredible. I tried because I had a hint. I was like, I think this is what the plant is called. And I, I just Googled like Halcyon Hostas and I'm like, yeah, star-like fringe, like horn shape. Yeah, that, that looks about right. Hmm. Well, yeah, um, getting into the actual chapter, we start off with, like, the narration saying that uh, Yuta can only release a directed high-output blast cursed energy while Rika is completely manifested. Even at full power, however, it's slightly weaker than Ishigori, so he was planning on, like, releasing a bunch of small ones in intervals to keep him from being able to charge her completely, but he catches a gaze from Ishigori that's basically just saying, like, 
let's go with everything. You know what I'm saying? So they uh, they basically charge up. Utah, Utah, you know, caves. We get this. We get this funny panel just this once. Just this once. And um, <laughs> yeah, they clash with everything they got. Beams. Pff. I love this double page spread on four and five. Like yeah, the double firework clash. Just like beautiful stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I really quite like this because like Utah is seems like a hyper practical individual, and so like for Ishigori's like romanticism to kind of like reach him, register, and then cause him to like reconsider his actual course of action. It's like you know what you want a slugfest. I'll give you a proper slugfest. You know. Yeah, because he's even he even says like though he'd probably never find meaning in fighting. You know. His heart was still moved, and I was like, "That's cool. I like that. The idea yeah. that like, it's 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 a really elegantly done version of that shonen trope where like if you cross fists with someone, if you fight someone in battle, you understand them in a way that no one else can, kind of yeah. thing." Like, only, only people that are, you know, living that life, fighting that fight can understand. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. I dig it. Like, it's yeah. a great... The two, three, just double spread right off the bat into a double, double spread. Like, Gang fantastic. Gang. Dude, it... Deep in the duffy. Uh, he, he did it. The part that I liked the most about... Ishigori is that his hair stayed quaffed until the very end. Like, yeah. The sign of his defeat is that his hair has finally come unraveled. Yeah. Yeah, that was really <laughs> funny. His defeat, yeah, is signaled by the <laughs> letting the releasing of the pompadour. Turns out cursed energy. This is the best pomade. But yeah, um, Ishigori wins the clash. Obviously, kind of blows Yuta back, and he's like, "Oh, that was sweet." He has Rika release another blast while he kind of runs up at him. He easily kind of brushes this one off, and he was thinking like, "Okay, his his technique still shouldn't be back." And then we get the panel where he hits him with the granite blast. Yuta uses Uro's technique. Shoot. Sends that bitch up. Dude, I really liked the kind of like alley oop reverse. Like, I I really like that ability. And like, it made me wonder, because like the, the previous chapter when like Kuro Roshi was just like, I love the taste of iron and like the swarming. Yeah. I wondered why Rika like immediately ate Uro's arm. And I was like, why do you have to do that? That's creepy. Like, I expected that from the roach, roach demon. But yeah. Like, Rika, why'd you do that? So I, Turns I'm glad out it's the like, condition. Yeah, that's really cool. Or at least it's potentially the condition as far as Ishigori is concerned. Yeah. Um, makes which sense. I, which I think is really interesting. Um, which makes me wonder. Um, he's used the, the cursed voice. And he's used Gojo's, like, 
purple. So did he do like a, a Deku All Might thing where he like had Rika eat their hair or like toenails or like uh, like a sample of their blood or what? Maybe, I mean, so I guess an easy way around it. I guess obviously you wouldn't want to take the easy way out and Gage usually never does. So I'm sure the explanation is going to be way better than this. But I guess something simple to just kind of get around all those things would be that like, Maybe Rika or Yuta just has to come in contact with your actual like cursed energy. Because mm, there would be there would be residual cursed energy in the arm of Uro. I'm I'm assuming right because mm-hmm. cursed energy persists after death. True. Even like so, the 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 curtain guys would be like, oh, we noticed traces of this and that going on, like when Maki destroyed the Zenin clan. Yeah. They were just like, hey, you know, there's trace elements. We believe it's the source to be a weapon. This is a recognizable and quantifiable amount of data that we can incur. But yeah, no, like, it might be... Because, like, he only did the abilities that Uro used on him. Like, directly on him. Because he did the thing with the arm. When she did that thing with his arms and made it all loopy. And then... She also did the little ice break ability on him. Or whatever it's called. It's Thin Icebreaker. Yeah. That was really interesting. Um, but the part that I really liked was when they were like sparring and he does like the he does like the kind of like mixed martial arts jujitsu kind of grab on page 1617 when they're like exchanging blows and Ishigori's just going full like brawler haymaker kind of swings with all these hooks yeah and like Yuda just like grabs one side grabs one side pulls and like uses his jacket to pin his arms to like keep him from struggling and then holds him in position so that the reflected granite blast is like whoa boom yeah I loved that I was like that's that's the nice realistic take on it as opposed to like, oh, I just noticed like I got hit and it blindsided me, that kind of thing. I like that he, you know, took him seriously enough to like hold him down and forced him to do that. Yeah. So, um, I also do really like just that artistic touch in the last panel of the the dessert plate empty. Mm-hmm. That was so the good. The crumbs. The crumbs. Um, the so crumbs I was. People were speculating in the live chat for this reaction that, like, at this point now, um, Kogane is going to pop up and introduce the rules that Yuji got. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that'll kind of put a halt on these events here because Yuta obviously was like, I'm going to just run through everybody and get everything done myself. Fuck them. Um, so I don't know. I've got, I've got hope that we still may be able to recruit one, if not both, of the players here. Uh, keep in mind that Kogane also has not announced Uro's death. No, she's still alive, and I feel like, unlike Toto, she can still use her ability. Yeah. Without, with just one hand. I feel like she genuinely still can, you know, do, you know, a circular whip rotation and, like, pull the sky around her. I wonder if she's using the ability on her arm stump to, like, prevent the bleeding. 
Yeah. Because like she did it to his arm, and she's like, he's like, I can't feel my arm. I can't. It's not like quite existing. So I wonder if she's like wrapping the stump and then like twisting it like the end of a joint a little bit to like using the sky surface thing to like ply that space as a physical object hmm to like kind of like use her curse technique to effectively triage or like uh cauterize the wound tourniquet oh yeah yeah tourniquet there we go thank you i was like struggling with the word i was like here's like a bunch of similar effects yeah you could definitely probably tourniquet off a wound with uh with her curse technique um we also get Rika in this chapter information that Rika is kind of like a glass cannon effectively like she can output a lot of damage she can like throw hands she can throw cursed beams um but we do get the narrator saying five minutes the connection between Rika and Okotsu would end a single blow that was too much for Rika even when completely manifested would cause her to reach her limit so I mean I mean I don't effectively fragile though because she's taken hits before. Yeah. And, and, and I just Uro think did clock her once. Or not Uro, but Ishigori did clock her once already in the jaw. Pretty yeah, good. I think, I think it's Ishigori's ability to just output damage. Because he's like, every time I output damage, it's the maximum amount of damage. He, he you know, he's doing that instantaneous release kind of stuff. Yeah. So I feel like... She's probably sturdier. She's sturdy enough to like survive a lot of attacks, but not from Ishigori. Yeah. And like he did like a full swing. Yeah, he did put his back he into did. it. He put his fucking back into it. Yeah, page 14, like dead eyes, like he went full Maruo, right? Like he just went, I'm gonna punch a yokai, go, you know? Yeah. Or actually, wait. I think she kind of starts to disapitate. Uh, and then he like hits dissipate? her because... Yeah. In the panel where it says five minutes of connection between uh, Riko and Okotsu would end. I think it was announcing that five minutes because she kind of starts to turn into some smoke. Like in the panel before, it's her body. Mm-hmm. In the in that oh, panel, you can't even... Turning... Yeah, because... She has that all-white form yeah. at the top of page 14, and then her body slowly becomes blackened like shadowy smoke, and she loses the giant eyeball. And you see the, the uh, yeah, and you see the exclamation point. Yeah, she's definitely, like, downgrading. Mm-hmm. So, just a combination of those things. Yep, yep, exactly, yeah. That's nutty. That's a really good spot. Um... Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. Then we get the end, basically, where he drops the blast on him. Ishigori's, like, satisfied. He's uh, He's gotten his dessert. And, um, I don't know. I just can't, I can't wait like, to see what happens next chapter. Sorry, go ahead. I do want to see if he gets, like, spared. He's like, oh, yeah, no, the introduction of this rule doesn't mean that our deaths, our deaths would literally be meaningless. You know, you gave me something that I couldn't find in a past life. You know, I maybe feel indebted to you, that kind of thing. 
for meeting me on the battlefield on my terms and still like taking me to town and like reading my rights. Yeah. Yeah. The way I see it. Um, and Utah doesn't look like, you know, he looks pleased. He looks like he's having fun here. So I don't know. He could, uh, he, he does definitely doesn't look like his cold calculated, uh, another day at work self. Like he's been the last, you know, yeah. probably five, 10 chapters. Like, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Uh, I think that's his weakness is that, um, because he admires Gojo so much, you know, like, Yuta admires Gojo. He's like, you know, who's there for the strongest in the world? Who actually helps them when they're down? I want to be that person. And he respects Gojo. Gojo is always characterized by being a free-spirited person. You know, come what may, the world's, you know, here for me. I'm free. He, like, Gojo epitomized himself via freedom, right? He's like, I don't care about traditions. I don't care about standards. I want to live the way I want to live, and I want to help people that want to live that way. Yeah. He, you know, he encouraged that sentiment in the next generation through Megumi, through Yuji, through Nobara, and, like, y Yuta and stuff. So I think that, like, the way that Ishigori lives his life would resonate with Yuta. And I think that's why he accepted that kind of, like, challenge to do it, to fight in a way that's not logical. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that's about all I had for this uh, week. The only thing I had left was the 4-5 spread of Rika in the background with the floating one eye. It reminds me of a series called Monstrous. Mm. Um, I know Knox has been reading that one. It's a really good series if you're ever interested in like more of a Western comic to a little palate cleanse, mix things up. Mm -hmm. um, the other part was um, page nine of because like I remember Yuta barehanded blocking Ishigori's granite blast, and he's like, "Oh damn, you're tough." And then I love that Ishigori's like, "Anything you can do, I can do better." And uh, it made me think of um, Butterfly in the sky I can fly twice as high <laughs> I've read the sitch I think you're a bitch Reading Rainbow Just like, love it <laughs> Just like stunting on each other For no good reason And yeah. I just like, god Just a, a machismo bravado fight, man mm -hmm. Hell yeah But yeah, I think uh, I think I think that about does it for me. This this chapter and the, and the art definitely is great, man. Like the um, the thin icebreaker panel, the design, all the impact, like impact, different textures, like when Uro is able to do that, like when like he does Uro's technique, cowl flip. When Ishigori is able to do what? Uh, uh, when Yuta's able to like flip the granite blast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When when yeah, and when Yuta uses Uro's technique to flip it up, that that art on that panel is definitely great. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think that about does it. All right. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get into the final chapter of the night, chapter one thousand and forty-five of One Piece. Whoa.
um, next level. And uh, we start off with the color cover, color spread, Sea of Liberty. Nice little feel good uh, color spread with all the straw hats hanging out, doing their thing. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we got. Uh, I love it. It reminds me of um, like those large boats that take on tours. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean, like the large double decker like boats that like go around. Round and they're like, and here is our pearl, like per, the pearl farms of West Hangzhou. Like the this river is, cruise uh, boats or whatever. Yeah, like welcome to West Lake. Here's the pearl farms, and here's the mountains to your left. The shore is actually quite far. You can't see across it in one go. It creates the mist, which uh, is what made the West Lake famous in multiple paintings and that kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's got that vibe. Yeah, definitely uh, has a nice. You know, toury, feel good, lighthearted vibe to it for sure. I mean, uh, it fits this chapter to be honest. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, but he getting goes into the full Looney Tunes, he does go full fucking Looney Tunes, man. Like, I guess getting into the chapter, um, Kaido and Luffy kind of talking at the beginning. Kaido's like, "I thought you were dead." You know, given that you're you're transferring your rubber shit to other things, I'm taking your awakening it, but you're also transforming. So something's seeming a little fishy. Kaido's kind of figuring it out, you know? Yeah. You know, Showing that I, he's no slouch mentally. I like that. Honestly, I think it's really funny, the idea that, like, because Kaido was, like, ridiculous when he was drunk. You know, mm -hmm. he went through the multiple stages, like crying drunk, anchor drunk, flirty drunk, stop, you know, kind of stuff. And he was ridiculous. But, like, when it's Luffy's turn to be more ridiculous and one-up him, he's like, no, 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 that's too much, that's too much. And I'm like, bro, I saw you in the last two fight, like, couple chapters. Yeah. You're fine. We see what you've <laughs> been doing, you know what I'm saying, so... Yeah, Luffy proceeds to do all kinds of weird, wonky, Looney Tunes fucking shit that had me absolutely dying, laughing my ass off reading the chapter. Like, Kaido eats him. He fucking pinballs around in Kaido's stomach. Like, balloons floats up. Fucking makes Kaido float up. Somehow fucking gets up into his skull cavity without messing with his brain or organs. Yep. Fucking throws his arms out his eyeballs, attaches himself to the nose, fucking rockets himself, himself out, out of his face. mouth. Like, what the fuck is actually happening, dude? Yeah, it it makes me wonder, because, like, it his abilities seem to be operating on, um, like, who framed Roger Rabbit Toontown level of powers? Right, like Yu-Gi-Oh's Toon World level of powers. Yeah. Where it's just like, okay, I can do anything, but only if it's funny. And that's seems to be the key thing, because I remember Roger Rabbit being able to, like, you know, pick a hole off the ground, slap it onto the wall, reach through it, and then peel it off it's like a sticker. That kind of thing. Yeah. Which, like, Luffy is effectively doing. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, like they said, it's it's just the most ridiculous power in existence. It allows him to fight in any way he wants, which is 
crazy yeah it just applies this looney tunes logic to like not only him but like the world around him the people around him like kaido yeah. has this looney tunes logic applied to him like with the like what we were talking about how is he inside of his head and can throw his arms out of his eyeballs without being in his brain like mm -hmm. it's weird it's I just mean, strange uh 12 and 13 are great examples of that where he shoots through his head and has like his eyes pop out of his skull and he gets all his allies able to do the same thing yeah like, even kid like, in law yes it's so, yeah. non that's wide ranging that targets everybody the fact that like he gets shot through and that his head gets stuck and he has to pull it through again is just like goofy yeah but um I, I, the gum gum giant though so dude that was a cool little spread this I is crazy that. because gigantification is something that they've been after for a long time so is this something they're trying to mimic from this fruit maybe probably it wouldn't be too far-fetched but yeah that was uh Definitely an insane panel when he came down with the gum gum giant. And I thought he was going to do more, but, um, you know, he did jump rope the fuck out of Kaido and shit. And, and he <laughs> yeah, did kind of get, I liked, as a giant, I pretty easily rope. dealt with, you know, it seemed like. I mean, he used his giant form to jump rope, so it's like he's still doing it. Um, my favorite thing was on page 16 when he gets hit in the back of the head with the bagua oh yep and then like this his nose becomes a spike there's spikes all over his like forehead his, his tongue. tongue becomes a spike and i was just like he reminded me of um junk rat from overwatch oh my god in that moment no i was just like oh my god like but like that's that's a cartoony character in itself. So I was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, it's keeping up. Um, and then he's running around. His head, his face looks like the lower panels. His face looks like the the road hot, like the junk rat wheel. Yeah. I'm just like, man. The junk rat wheel. Yeah, he went from junk rat to the wheel real quick. Um, What do you think of the, like, page 14 panel where he's, like, drying up and then immediately pops back page uh, 15? Um, well, I mean, he's, like, he's kind of, that's his body saying you're kind of at the limits of where you can go without putting yourself in jeopardy, right? Which is kind of what Kaido says when he goes back into the awakening. He's like, oh, I was dying before this. It takes a lot of energy. Um, and then he goes back into the awakening saying like, this can't end yet. You know, we got all these people we're fighting for and Kaido says basically like careful or you'll die. So like, I think it, he's basically just kind of like surpassing his limits in a sense where, or, or forcing mm. himself past his limits, maybe more accurately is the thing to say. Um, and Kaido okay, says, you know, if you, if you don't, if you're not careful, you'll die doing that. And he's like, you actually think I care? So yeah there was i was wondering what the purpose of that or was like literally just to be silly like but i do like the implication that there's actually like serious repercussions going to that do you think 
that we might see him because he's interacting with he's warping reality right like his ability warps reality and he could potentially die we saw the grim reaper who was proven not to be brooks right coming towards zoro mm-hmm. so what if death appears for luffy and he uses the nika nika fruit ability to literally just like tell death not today like i ain't gonna die jokes on you dude i refuse to and like just put the smack down on death but i don't know it's just like that's a side thought i don't think that's actually gonna happen but i think it would be very interesting if that actually does happen um because i'm not sure how because like one piece is actually pretty good at like the side effect aspect of overexerting yourself they're really good with the consequences and like they don't like have egregious power-ups without like having a fallback like a blowback towards mm-hmm. sort of thing so i'm wondering what's what's gonna happen there and if uh the nika nika fruit's gonna be the way out of it too um there's a really hard line that I liked. In the same page, page 14, he's like, you have my assurances that after you die, someone will tell your tale of your great battle. He's like, I don't need any of that. Once we're dead, the only thing that's left is bones and just starts cackling. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that's cold. And that was that was regular Luffy. That wasn't the Joy Boy. That wasn't him laughing. That was real Luffy laughing. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, that's feel, that's why I feel that part was interjected is just to you know show that there is some seriousness in luffy's there is some serious aspects to luffy's character Mm -hmm. because while he is mostly jovial and goofy there are some serious aspects to his character and some serious lessons that he's learned in his life that he does hold you know close to his heart um yeah and one is that you know there's no such thing as a fair fight in the in the world of pirates once we're dead all that's left is bones there's no need in 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 the story afterward yeah i mean that really plays in because like how he's like really butted against the idea of like wano samurai believing in such a thing as a good death and like we want a good death we want honorable death and he's like there ain't no such thing like once you're dead you're dead there's no amount of honor that changes that fact what matters is how you lived your life when you were here. Mm-hmm. How free you so were. I, yeah. I liked that a lot. Um, I wonder how he's going to finish the fight. Or if, like... Because, like, one of the rules of cartoons, right? Like, for cartoon violence. For Tom and Jerry level violence. The main rule for, like, a Disney cartoon... For like Looney Tunes stuff is that it never truly hurts. Yeah. So like we're watching Luffy just in Nika Nika form punch his fist through Kaido's head and then retract, leave his face, you know, not a giant hole. So it's like he's getting wailed on, 
but how much damage is actually going through it? I mean, I think that we can say this is a fair amount of damage only because, like, it does put Kaido on his ass and his, his eyes are kind of, like, whited out. And also, like, you can see the black lightning. So this is, like, a Conqueror's Hockey, Armament Hockey, and Butte Attack. You can see the black, you know, the Armament mm. Hockey on his fist in the panel afterward. I think you, you don't see it on his fist going through Kaido's face because it's literally Kaido's skin stretching out of the back of his head, you know? Ah, uh, yeah, Like, he yeah. literally just bopped his shit the fuck in. Okay. But I, I do think it that. was a devastating attack, you know, despite, like, the the visual nature of it, you know, not making it look like it. Yeah, because there's lightning going all the way through on every single panel of that fist. Um, eighteen, nineteen, except for uh, when he like pulls his fist out of Kaido, but then Kaido is like seems to be electrified by that black lightning. Yeah, even then, like the the conqueror's hockey is still kind of flowing through him. I think that's that Rio, you know. Mm. But I mean the onomatopoeia, like the sound effects for the punch hitting is is like giant. Kaboom. Like it fucking it slapped the fuck out of him, I think, for sure. Yeah, it's the same thing as um when it's almost the same size and stuff when um Kaido is doing the Thunder Bagua against Luffy on page sixteen. Yeah. If you look at the side effects like I like how he's using the sound effect size to reinforce the idea of like comparable damage. Yeah. Yeah, because that kaboom, that boom, that's a yeah, that's a hitter right there for. Mm -hmm. And Yamato the and Momo both react. The only one bigger is when he's doing the the gum gum giant. That's the only time the like sound effect is like bigger than that oh yeah and it's dumb. i felt like that gum gum giant should have been a little more devastating than it was but you know whatever uh um, i think it's because he interrupted like he spiraled around and like bit him in the side because that happens in the same page where he gets bitten in the side and then luffy as reaction grabs him by the head and the tail yep Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's probably Kaido counted it pretty well. Yeah, give him a big old breath blast. And he also, um, on page 11, does this, like, running, Looney Tunes running wheel thing with the fire. Yeah, the fire, I feel, is an important point because this is something that, obviously, he has the hawk attacks the, that, you know, are flaming. And uh, it's been speculated that this could possibly be part of the Nika fruit. It could possibly be like inherited will from Ace. Like, oh, so I feel the fire here is more indicative of the the former, right? It's part of the Nika oh, fruit. The Nika fruit. Yeah. Yeah, because his head is a whole giant ball of fire. Right. And he's got that little burning cape of cloud. Yep, and like yeah, the the feet effect here while he's like literally running across the sky with the fire. Mm hmm I feel like it's that case as well. Like he's leaving like an after image of his like cloud cape. Yeah. It also could be clouds though. though, yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
I think he it's like his version of what Kaido is using to move the Onigashima. I think it actually is Cloud's probably because his hair is white. Yeah, he's got white hair. He's got white, white clothes. Like the, yeah, the sash. He's got that cloud sash wrapped around his shoulders because he's like a thunder god. Mm-hmm. And his his shirt actually turns white too. Yeah, that was that was an interesting part. I was like, it made it remind like the fact that he was like turning all white made me think of um, Teach, like Blackbeard. Oh yeah. And how he turned completely black. So, and he's like, you know, he has the darkness, darkness fruit, and he he was able to absorb multiple fruit abilities because of this darkness. So I'm wondering if that is also like another mythical human type fruit or some sort, and that it is like, there's a potential to have like a mythological response, like rival of the Nika Nika fruit. Or it could just simply just be, this is the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. That the element of darkness in the void is the dark, dark fruit. And then Nika is like the opposite reaction where you are a human and if you're in the dark, you create light Yeah. to illuminate the space you're in. That's what it means to be human. So, Ooh. but I think it's interesting, like they have the color kind of color contrast. And I wonder if this is going to be pertinent to their inevitable clash in the series finale. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... That is definitely a good question and a good spot. I wonder how long this Kaido fight's gonna be. I think it. I mean, the whole Wano thing has been going on for quite a while, so it's hard to predict the, the you know the longevity of anything in this series. I, I feel like I feel like maybe one or two more chapters of like actual fighting. Or something like one or two it feels like it should be wrapped up fairly soon yeah it feels like this is definitely the climactic you know the final final portion of the fight here so i agree yeah. um other than that i don't know if i had really anything else too much else for the chapter here yeah fun antics very cool it's very nostalgic in that Yu-Gi-Oh kind of way love gear um, five like Mm -hmm. I think it fits Luffy's character perfectly. I don't know. People are so upset about it. You know, they want Luffy to be serious. It's but like, he's not serious. The like, series he's has. Never, he's never been serious. The series he's has never, never been really serious been except so for serious. human rights. That's it. Exactly. Like, the only time like, he gets you know, serious is when you fuck with his friends or when you fuck with somebody's human rights. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like, hey man, you're robbing these people of like basic dignity. All right, we'll throw hands. Cool. Moving on. Like. But other than that, he's just been a goofy guy, very lighthearted, and like. And so I have. Think that's a certain level of strength. You know what I mean? Yes. Because, like, this series covers war, slavery, genocide, all these things, harsh realities of the world. And I think that, like, when faced with all the awfulness in the world, true strength in response to that is showcased in the ability to still be able to laugh, still be able to like enjoy the world and like cultivate that enjoyment 
in a way that can be shared with others and like sharing your own like happiness and joy yeah among the world instead of like oh i'm seeing all this negativity i'm seeing all this evil in the world and it has jaded me and made me brittle exactly and uh i think that's that's been a core part of one piece's like themes for a very long time yeah like yes the world's awful yes we have to face it but that doesn't mean it's the end of joy yes well said um yeah i think that's 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 probably a good note to end up the chapter on so yeah that'll uh that'll do it for this chapter of one piece and uh that will do it for this episode of the project manga podcast thank you all so much for watching if you did be sure to slap a like on this video if you enjoyed it be sure to subscribe to the channel for more fire weekly content like this also uh, as we said before, be sure to take a look in that description box down below where you can find links to any and all of our individual social media accounts such as Twitter, online communities like Discord, audio listening platforms to consume the podcast on, as well as ways to support the show such as our online store or our Patreon. And um, with all those words said, this will be another fantastic episode of the Project Manga Podcast. Wrapping up, I'm your host, Eagle. And I'm Lily Ennis. Take care. Peace.